Hello, welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. We are at the Llandidno Craft of Comedy Festival, uh, which has been fantastic for James and I because we've been meeting lots of new people and catching up with uh, all sorts of people and uh, not just writers. Um, We have a special guest today who is probably the person you will have seen and heard more than any other performer, I think, in the last... 25, 30 years. Please welcome Jeff McGiven. Hello. Hello. Jeff and uh, Jeff is a, a, an actor, comedy performer, and, uh, well, when did you, when did you start? Well, well, we'll start by saying, actually, that you are the only person, uh, as far as I know, to have appeared in uh, the, all, uh, the, 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 the original format of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the follow-up. Is that correct? Are you the... Uh, is that the... Uh, the, the 40 years later. Version. Oh, no, because uh, Simon Jones ah, is right. the constant throughout. Um, Simon Jones has been there from the start and the television. Right. And the later iterations, mm. which mm. I always forget, but the, you know, the quadrennial and the quintessential and the hexagonal, right. which we've just done, yeah. which is based on the Owen Colfer book, right. okay. um, which is the end. Yeah. Right. But you were you were in the original radio show. I was in the original pilot, and, and you've kind of been working in radio and TV and comedy pretty much ever since then. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I do more television, comedy, and drama now uh, than I do radio, which is, I think, just a quirk. I do the I I do my half day per series. On Ed Reardon's week, right. Right. I am one of the band in the right. pub where he plays Jug. <laughs> and uh, But I haven't... I did a radio the other month, but I completely blanked on what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do more television now, yeah. um, kind of across the piece. I've, I've started to do more drama the last yeah. five years or so, which I enjoy. I enjoy the, the mixing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the best comedy I've done in the last year is back mm. with yep. a brilliant um, I, I did my first ever self-tape which is a new evil right. in um, actors a lives. fresh hell yes mm-hmm. well the reason it's a hell is a you've got to organize it i had to be shown i was on a job in northern ireland staying in a hotel in belfast and one of the other cast was ellie taylor the comedian who is now everywhere, quite rightly, kind of acing, doing her own shows and on every panel show. Mm -hmm. And she is very tech savvy and showed me that my MacBook had the facility to record me. I had no idea. Quick time (laughs) player. What a genius thing. And she sorted me out. Um, I'd learned it. She read in. I bunged it off and got the job of Uncle Jeff, which is a gift. And was the funniest pilot I've ever read, I have to say. And that that has to be Simon Blackwell plunging into back into his past and the way your childhood informs your adulthood. And even though you seem to be a competent person going around with a professional attitude to things, you're actually still seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, An absolutely wonderful thing. And we then we got the series and. we're doing a second series in ne- from next January. Yeah. And along with that, I now do a Netflix 
tween drama, which is apparently a booming genre, yeah. aimed at kind of eight to eleven-year-old young girls mostly. My children are eight and ten. This will be interesting. Well, they must watch. The first season went out last year, but is available on Netflix. Right. The second starts. Here's the plug. I actually remember the date. July the sixth. The second series. And goes what's out. the series called? And it's called Free Rain. Okay. R E I N. Okay. Lots of horses. Probably uh, already saw the first. I'm trying to guide my children away from horses because they're very expensive. They might want one. Well, this will (laughs) sublimate their desire. They won't need to actually get on uh, a big horsey. Virtual reality. Yes, Yes. and cost you a fortune in all those those stabling fees and all the rest of it. Though I believe it's very good for the development of the young child to do mucking out and uh, tack. See, I've learned all this stuff. Ah, I luckily don't have to go anywhere near a horse. In fact... A very nice director last year on the second series wanted me to walk with a couple of others very close to the edge of this stable. But between him giving me this note so the camera could get two kind of good angles for the price of one, they put a horse there. (laughs) And And so I said, I'm not walking around the back of this horse. And they said, why not? I said, because they kick. Yeah, that's a thing. I have seen this. I have seen on YouTube a horrifying thing where a man is kicked in the face by an otherwise stationary horse. So who wants that? But anyway, free reign is a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. It's a booming genre of the tween drama. Mm -hmm. Teenagers, often played by women and men of of 22, who can credibly be 16. And they're adventures. And I have now discovered this niche, which I rather enjoy, of being a granddad in fiction. Because right. I am, in fact, a childless bachelor. Ah, so right. I bring all the blithe insouciance okay. of somebody who has never had to raise children <laughs> and all the expense, worry and anxiety that that brings. <laughs> I am the most serene grandfather that's ah, ever been portrayed on screen. That's lovely. That's this, very good. This is one of the things, I mean, one of the reasons um, why, and I, and I think you are uh, one of a, a vanishing breed, I think, and one of the reasons why... I, okay. oh, a vanishing uh, breed. You make times, him sound like a horse. Now. A number of times that we uh, sat with my wife and we're watching uh, some program, a comedy program. And, oh look, Jeff's turned up, uh, and yeah. it's uh, and and it's because you are a character actor and you 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 do a lot of character work, and that's uh, you know, yes, and in that. and in comedy, you know, for co- comedy writers uh, are always looking uh, for. You know, characters, but but there just aren't, in a sense, there aren't also so many people who who now can be so many different things. And, well, and the, that's, yeah. you, you are always a different person. I'm just thinking, I'm just sort of picking out uh, randomly two shows that I, I watched. Uh, you were in Dead Boss. Uh, the Sharon Horgan that was show. Uh, you were you were part of this sort of slightly weird B plot that going on outside yeah. of the prison, weren't you? Uh, yes, you were involved yes. in some sort of very complex like, murder I, mystery. I think it was it? yes. Who mm. uh, the dead boss? Yeah. Why was he dead? What had happened? Um, and sadly, we didn't. I have to choose my words carefully here. Um, for reasons known only to those who made the decision who may have been the same people who made an earlier decision bizarrely not to show what was Sharon Horgan's show Pulling yes Pulling was getting press 
that wasn't being organised. Mm. Pulling was so popular on BBC Three yeah, yeah. that it was getting stuff written about it simply because journalists went to their editor and said, this show is fantastic, mm. I want to write a piece about it, and how it's so typical of, you know, yeah. they were mid to late 20s yeah, yeah. women and men who were going, this is exactly what life is like, it's brilliant. It's like the this life of its time, wasn't it? But it really funny, was, and jokes. funny mm. and, and raucous mm. and, and, and near the knuckle and over the knuckle, mm. And they wouldn't show it on BBC Two. Hmm. And it's one of the odder decisions I've never understood. Dead Boss, we only did one series. Um, and it was a joy because he was a wonderful character. He was, he was, he was the, the worst kind of ambulance-chasing lawyer. Hmm. In fact, he was so useless, he didn't even know when the ambulance was going by. He was sitting in his, in his office which was like the back room of a ratty yeah. house. Yeah. Um, a very funny story. I don't know if you've got time to hear this. Sure, But please. it shows the perils of casting and the perils of writing something down. You really should write it like an insurance policy so that everybody is on the same page. There was a very funny sequence where, and I wish it to God I could remember his name, the character I played. I want to say Barry, but it might have been. No, I don't think it was. I've played a few Barrys. I played a Barry in a pilot just now. And I did play Barry Opper in Jonathan Creek. Oh. I was Caroline Quentin's publisher, who inexplicably disappeared after... I was promised, oh, a whole episode is going to be devoted to Barry next series. They did the next series and never referred to me again. A tale of television. But anyway, in Dead Boss, we had a, a little sequence which was where a woman brought her son, implied very little, who had been bitten by a penguin at the petting zoo, and she wanted to sue. Mm. And the boy kind of gives away, but mum, you did it with pliers. And anyway, the point was, I was being oppressed. I had a stalker. There mm -hmm. were evil figures after my lawyer. Yeah, Tony is his name. Tony, thank mm. you. Um, I remember it so well. Yeah. Um, but I, the funny sequence was that I thought they were coming through the bathroom window and he picked up the tiny child to shield as he went to check what was going on. Genius. Absolute genius. They cast the boy of 11 who must have weighed nine stones. Oh. Who was very good. Yeah, but... Yeah. But not Stimey's easy. The joke, I, I was thinking, bend from the knees, bend from the knees, because your, yeah. yeah. your lumbar region <laughs> is going to be ruined by this. Spoiled the whole thing. Oh. Five-year-old, perfect. Absolutely. Because I could have moved him around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. anyway, the perils, the perils the of perils, character. indeed, yes. The world divides into character actors and people who play themselves. And people who play themselves can, be, can do little variants, but it's very much that's what they do. I have seen quite a famous actor, you would know, and no names, no pack drill, but who resisted a note in a radio. Uh, it was a legal thing. That's the only clue I'll give. It was a legal-ish thing. And the director, very good director, producer, uh, wanted him to be more agitated. And this particular actor doesn't really do agitated. He does kind of Eeyore-ish or kind of laid back, wouldn't take the note. I, 15 minutes, the producer tried to get him to go back up to the mic and just try it more at... No. 
No. Whereas I think the character actor, especially if you're popping up, you've got one good scene or a couple of good scenes in one ep, and you've just got to arrive and be whatever that character would be. I compare it to like a wonderful, you know, the way Picasso could just do a few lines and there is a bird or there is a bull. Do you know what I mean? It's a thumbnail sketch and it's got to have the same vividness. You can't be, you can't be fussing about the interior life all the time. John Gielgud yeah. said style was knowing what kind of play you're in. <laughs> and yes. I, that's so simple and so true because I've watched people struggle to do a, a comedy which requires, you know, Maggie Smith said uh, the thing about high comedy is it, it's, it's basically playing tennis. tennis. You've yeah. got to keep the ball in the air yeah. and it's got to be crisp shots. Yeah. Yeah. There's no point being method and yeah. moody and slow. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a good example. Please do. I'll give you a good example of how sometimes you think, really? We were doing, I don't want to be too specific. We were doing a science fiction thing, um, not for the BBC. And we were on Mars, I believe. And we were being pursued by huge beasts, which were kind of metal beasts that were firing nuclear bombs at us. And we're running for our ship. It might have been called Dan Dare, but I couldn't swear to it. And, we'd, and there's explosions and we're shouting. And one of the guys who came in that day was playing one of the characters running along. And we've done it and they've played in the effects, which gave on our cans, we could hear what was going on to give us the beats. And he said, after we'd done a take, he said, do you think I should whisper that bit there? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. To who? Who do you think yeah. would hear you in this maelstrom Why of like you? 17 Hiroshima's yeah. going off? That's an odd choice. And it's just, you know. Yeah. Mm. Well, there's another type of actor as well um, uh, that uh, David Tyler uh, sometimes refers to um, is an actor who knows why he's been booked. Um, and he used to cite uh, Burt Kwok as a great example of that. If you book Burt Kwok, he knew which Burt Kwok you wanted mm. and he knew to do it yes. rather than turning up and just going, yeah, I don't really want to do the Cato stuff or this whatever stuff or the, this or that. It's just like, no, that's, he knows and he'll do it rather than the kind of the person who turns up. And of course, and, yes, and the, the, the slight sadness, because I, I remember meeting, he used to always go, when I used to be... The, the invitations are very restricted now to the light tent party. Mm, yeah, Christmas he was party. always Burt Kwok. Burt Kwok would always be there. That, that's Tompkins where he met Harry Hill, in fact. Is that right? Mm. Is that, yes, of course. Hey, yes. little hen, mm. yes. But he, he had enormous range. Mm. And very rarely, because I mean, it's celebrity, it's the celebrity curse, yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's the fame curse that people... People love putting people in boxes. Yeah. And Burt Kwok, who, of course, was wonderful in a running gag in Ed Reardon's week, yeah. is Tenko. Tenko, yeah, yeah. yeah. In which I have to say, not only did I... I used to get a day's work right. a year right. on Ed Reardon's week in the early days because I also played Dave Wang, right. <laughs> Chinese SA, playing okay. one of the guards in Tenko for the episode... <laughs> 
Ed Reardon wrote, and Ed Reardon got him killed off. He okay. fell into the bamboo stalks okay. outside when the women made an escape attempt. Wonderful running gag of him writing, because that was his only yeah, claim yeah, to fame. Right. Uh, and Dave Wang fell and was impaled on the bamboo outside the prison camp and never worked. I lost my wife. <laughs> and for some reason, they never let me play Dave Wang beyond That's two series, terrible. which I think because I played him as a Cockney Chinese bloke. I based him on a guy at, at a Chinese restaurant I used to go to down in Ballam. I guess the thing that, um, though, the, the, the being a character actor, you say you get that really good scene, you get this, that, and the other, is that you, is therefore, you get to be in so many different things. And the thing that my, my first encounter with your work was in a piece of comedy canon which is, you've been in an episode of Blackadder. Oh, yes, of course. Where you played either Jesty Not Madam Biggin. Yeah, I And was. standing at the back just stupidly looking yeah. stupid party. Yes, with a, with, one with of my a water episodes. filled with a yeah. flower, which jetted water, which is virtually impossible to see on telly. It's yeah. a shame. I think you should actually colour it blue or something. Yeah, yeah. To make it, because Vincent yeah. Hanna, yes. late departed, yes. who was the very eminent and really yeah. clued up, Northern Irish yeah. um, political editor yeah, yeah. from the beginning of Channel 4 News, yeah, yeah. who was sweet. A week and in really politics good was his it. thing, wasn't it? That's you know, right. Was and lovely. he knew his stuff. I mean, you know, put him up against Andrew Neil, yeah. and that would be, that would be you know, yeah. one of those Japanese epics between yeah. Godzilla <laughs> and the other one. Because he knew his stuff, but of course died young. It was a victim of the Ulster mm. Fry, yeah. I fear. But yeah, so you, so you get to be in Hitchhikers. You Directed get to be by in... Mandy Fletcher, yes, of I course. believe, yeah, yeah. who I later worked with many years later on the second series. They brought Mandy Fletcher in for the second series of Blandings. Right, okay. With the wonderful, who I'd never met before. Um, I'd seen him in uh, the one, one of the first series, which had the laughter effects and funny noises. Didn't really work. Mm. Jack Farthing. Right, yeah. Who is now poldarking like mad, isn't right. he? Okay. Um, and Harry Enfield was in that, because I used to do the Harry Enfield on the radio. Right. With um, uh, which had a fantastic guest list. When Harry Enfield and Fra on the radio, I remember me and um, this is really testing my memory for mm. names, and I know this name very well. Um, oh, not Penelope. Oh God. Oh, you know she plays uh, Partridge's assistant. Oh, uh, Felicity Montague. Felicity Montague. Felicity Montague. Mm. And they had Edward Fox coming in. Mm. And very amusingly, they had John Humphreys to come in and do an interview. I think with me, I think I was Santa Claus. I played loads of different parts. I played Santa Claus uh, with a bit of the old Norwegian. And uh, I think he had issues, Santa. And John Humphreys was interviewing me. And very amusingly, <laughs> we're in, uh, I can't remember which studio, Sandhouse or somewhere. And... As he did his part, he just dropped the script on the floor because that's what they do on the Today programme. You finish a page, you just put it on the floor, it's done, it's right. gone. But, of course, we had to redo, and Simon Nichols, the producer, <laughs> we got to the end, and he said, could you, could you not? And he said, well, that's what I do. <laughs> so Simon was crawling around on the floor trying to collate this Beautiful. 12 pages of script back into order and then yeah. give it back to him. And he'd blow me down. He did the same thing That's on the what second he does. Take. If you book Humphreys, you get Humphreys. But yes, Blandings, I was egged. I played the eminent um, psychiatrist from London. Right. His name escapes me. Uh, one of the classic Woodhouse names. Uh, who I think recurred through the through the series of novels, and uh, I was egged because Harry Enfield had brought me 
to uh, declare the Earl of Blandings insane. Right. Um, but whereas Harry Enfield was actually the, uh, the unwell one. Right. And I got egged, which is actually very painful. Even though they pre-cracked yeah. the egg, they still make quite a thump. Hope you're enjoying this episode with the lovely Jeffrey McGiven and all of his amazing stories. Um, also, I just wanted to mention, uh, before we get back to it, that you could support this podcast by joining us on Patreon. And if you join us, then there are all kinds of goodies that are opened up to you. You get free copies of my book and Dave's book and his forthcoming book as well. And also that we have a, um, a load of secret podcasts for uh, for Patreon members who send us their first 10 pages and also sneak previews of other episodes still to come. If you join up, you can listen to the interview with Stephen Moffat and with Al Murray and also Tim Telling from the Daily Mash. You can listen to Neil Forsyth talk about Eric Ernie and me and lots of other little bits and pieces beside. So do come and join us over on Patreon. Go to us, uh, look at us on Facebook as well and find us there and follow us on Twitter at Sitcom Geeks will be our handle on there. Okay, here we go. Back to the interview. Um, I'd like to pick you up on the on the picking up. Yeah, no, pick enough. up, pick, pick uh, up by all that, means. Because that was um, I do for, wander off for, for our, but for for our uh, audience as well as uh, when, you know when they're writing um, and and not. There's not always the same amount of care goes into the 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 other characters. You know, they've got the main character, and they don't necessarily always think about. And I mean that, for instance, that that moment if the writer had, you know, if if they'd been remembered, uh, Holly or Sharon to write, uh, you know, this uh, a small child. If that, you know, that yes, one word small. Yes. That was the difference between you being able to do lots of funny comedy work with a, with a five-year-old child yes. and having this great big lunking nine-year-old to, to sort of... Yes, I looked more not, like a coal heaver yeah. than a man using right. a small child as a shield, which was the gag. Yeah. Which was, and, and, and so much of comedy is yeah. about almost a physical shape yeah. that suddenly is adopted. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. Cleese, have you ever noticed that when uh, Cleese does the Ministry of Silly Walks, hmm. I don't know if it's in the studio or it's when they're playing it to the studio mm. audience. There is a woman who laughs so hysterically at every kind of ele- yeah. stretch of his leg. And that's pure physical yeah. comedy. I mean, that goes back to eccentric dancers, which Max Wall did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Max Wall when I was about seven or eight at Great Yarmouth on holiday with my folks and top of the bill were nobody will remember this but me hope and keen were were a duo who never saw, quite I took saw did they they were always they were always third or fourth on the bill i saw well, they them were they were top of the dodd when i was about well, now 10. they were they were headlining in great mm. yarmouth summer show and uh, i think he finished the first act or started the second act maxwell coming back from his disgrace because right. Max Wall had a great fall, yes. coin a phrase. Um, he got involved with a large-breasted woman called Sabrina, right. who was a tabloid favourite, a kind of English Jane Mansfield. Right. And he also had a massive problem with the tax man. Right. 
and his career went smash right. and people thought he'd never see him again. And he worked his way back up the bill. And on this, I'd never heard of him. And this strange man with the domed head and the long black hair. And of course, in those days, this will be, I, it will be 60, mm-hmm. 59, something like that. Long hair. I mean, the fuss about the Beatles. You see what the Beatles actually looked like in mm. 1963. And people in America are going crazy. Who are these, are these girls? Yeah. No, they've just got hair over their ears. But yeah, people yeah, yeah. were insane. So this weird long hair, black mm. hair. Slicked for the younger back man. in this Slicked black down. Like, yeah. And based on, apparently, I mean, he was quite, he was very canny, Max Wall. Whether it was based on Grotowski. Right. And that's because Jonathan Price, who I was yeah, just yeah, talking yeah. to about earlier, um, being chilling in Hitchhiker, yeah. doing a simple countdown as a pilot yeah. about to destroy this planet. Um, you know, in comedians, he reenacts this strange Polish yeah. comedian. You know, there's something really grotesque. And Max Wall was truly grotesque yeah. and a brilliant pianist, Professor Wolofsky. And he would play the piano and then turn and look at mm. the audience and say, I'm wonderful, aren't I? <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And he did the eccentric dancing yeah. where you walk along and yeah. you do the funny twirl and go yeah, back yeah. and, the, and the, the drums going crazy. Yeah. And it's bizarre, incredibly effortful, but looks easy. Yeah. When he was in disgrace, Billy Dainty basically nicked his act and became a huge star. It yeah. was the Max Wall act without the grotesquerie yeah. and the genius. Yeah. And, and then and finally, the tribute, yeah. tribute and, and the curse as well, as, and the bad bad news sort of aspect too. Yeah, yeah. you can sort of walk off someone's act if the original guy has been disgraced, can't you? You can sort of yeah. do that. And, and there was there was always that sense with him that he was a, a three dimensional character. Yeah. He he had a tragic yeah. note. There was something very real and strange about him. Mm. And then of course it all worked out because he ended up and he's headlining at the Royal Court doing Beckett and mm. and, and and a nice for any performer it's nice to see yeah. Yeah. virtue triumph yeah yeah absolutely yeah. but eccentric but, yeah. you know yeah. the the yeah. idea of the of the physical form mm. suddenly yeah. fitting the comedic moment is incredibly mm. important you have to use everything as an do you i mean and I, I, want, I want to talk about a little bit about the, the words that the actors uh, are given and, and, and some of the things that, you know, when you, because you've obviously, you've received comedy scripts from writers at every level. Um, but to, just that, in terms of that physicality and the visual side of things, what do, do you get, do you feel you get a good uh, steer often from writers about physicality or is it, is it, sometimes is it over? Uh, yeah, well, there is that thing of being over-instructed. Yes, I mean, that's true he with some directors. Hastily or, yeah. Mm. I mean, in terms of the script, A, you have to kind of postulate that it's a good script. And if it's a good script, then, and it's yeah. a good character, yeah. you get it. Okay. And then I, usually it's the voice. Are you, do they normally just send you pages or do you normally get the whole script? Uh, it, can you vary. Ta- no, how, it can vary. No, it can vary. I mean, how, the, how do you tell if this is? What are the? What do? You, do you, are there a couple of things where you just think, oh, this is not. Well, it, I'm earning my money this time. If you're, I mean, if it's, there are various ways you're approached. Say it's a bog standard interview and they want to see you. Mm. Then I, and this slightly surprises some people I know, also in the business, and I go, I don't see why you don't get this. When you go into a room with a casting director and maybe the director or a producer, they're not the only people who are going to... They've got a camera. 
Mm. They are not the only people who are going to look back at that. Mm. You'd better do the scene properly and know it and have it worked out. Not only the words worked out, mm. but how you'd play it if you were being filmed at that moment. Yeah. Because the people who are too busy to be in the room while loads of actors are interviewed yeah, yeah. are going to look at it and they're going to see it as a scene. And you looking down at a page is doing you no good. So you have to do that. So you, you get pages. And I now, because I work enough, I now, if it's not good, mm. if, it's, if it's dull, mm. if it's ludicrously fantastical, Right. You know, and unfunnily, yeah, yeah. which is a bit of a curse of the modern day right. of the here's a situation and we'll get people to do wacky things with no motivation, character yeah. meaning at all. You know, just, you know, people do not do that. Now, it's OK. Maybe you can invent your own world yes. and fly with it. That's fair enough. I did a wonderful two series over quite a long time. Um which Lucy Lumsden fought for at um, Sky, right. which was This Is Ginsey, Ginsey. Okay, yeah. which was absolutely fantastical. But it was so, you could play it for real because it was about human emotions, mm, which yeah. were credible. Mm. So you can, be, that, that's an interesting one because This Is Ginsey what, what, is definitely out there. It's not, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it, but on it, the one, even yeah. though it's an odd, surreal yeah. version of, let's be honest, Guernsey. Right, where yeah. the boys come from. Right. But also, the emotions in there are very much about... Um, it's, it's very interesting. It's like um, Bilko. Yeah. That you have a hierarchy. You have the arbiter. Yeah. You have his sidekick who's really in charge. Yeah. But the arbiter occasionally snaps back. Yeah. You have me playing Trince. Yeah. And I don't know if, I, I don't know if it was mentioned that Trince was going to um, have a hump. Right. But I kind of wanted the hump because it added to the obsequiousness right, okay. and the slyness that I could kind of retreat from a room <laughs> with my own plan in yeah. place. Though we did get rid of the idea that he was wet all the time because he lived in a subterranean because all the costume rotted. Right. All the layers of the costume, my kind of old Bailey gown and, and a yeah. waist, long waistcoat all started to rot during filming of the first series and by the end of the year when we got the second series where Sky this is you know kids if you're listening mm. this is the kind of thing you're going to get if you want to go into this business they wanted it bigger and better with less budget yeah. we had to do we couldn't afford a grip and a dolly and we had Derek Jacobi because the casting on that was just fantastic, both series. Yeah. I recommend it thoroughly, get it. This is Ginsey is just a, is a gem. Um, we had Derek Jacobi, Sir Derek Jacobi, playing the babby, who may have been the Arbiter's father. In fact, I think he was. Right. I've given that away, so ignore yeah. that. But the point was, he had lost so much. He was a wrestler called the babby. Right, okay. And... Uh, they, had, they had some weird phrase for wrestling but he was he'd lost an arm he'd lost an eye he'd lost a leg and he was basically in a pram so we have Derek Jacobi because the population is overloaded by one we have to take him to the well of death right tip him in uh his time has come so we're going along on this huge green set because the the green screen 
um, CGI was genius in the second series. They made so mm. much. When you actually see it, there's this darkling sea. There's a promontory. The sun is going down mm. in the distance. Thunderclouds are boiling up. And it was all just a green set with weird hieroglyphs. Yeah, yeah. We couldn't afford a grip. We had to balance a 4K HD camera. You know those little tea trolleys your granny had with yeah. the two layers and the tiny wheels? Yeah. One On of that. those. With the director going, what have we come to? Yeah, but not only And that. Derek Jacobi being... And Derek Jacobi, it's like you were filming... Yeah, we've... we've, we've we're filming Derek Jacobi instead of a proper big dolly. Oh, my where, Yes, I know, extraordinary. But, but it works brilliantly. Now, in that, all the, the, the emotions that the Arbiter has... Mm. And is, is... I mean, so much of it, it's like Step 2 and Son. Mm. Mm. You know, Harold wants to be better. Yeah. Aspiration, and it's a very English thing. In America, aspiration is good. Yeah. Here, there's almost, for comedic value, don't bother about it, mate. Yeah. Don't try and be more than you are. Yeah, yeah, Remember yeah. where you came from. Oh, well, that's another overlap, isn't it? Earlier, we've been thinking about how uh, faulty and Rigsby overlap uh, in terms of social aspiration, but obviously mm. that's... That step to that's yeah. the sun as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Wanting, wanting more there. Yeah, and Hancock, and I suppose. And, it, isn't and it's it? a yeah. very and it it's an it's a it's an idea that goes into literally. No, then there must be more to life than this. Mm. Yes, that's it's right. it's not you know it's not bad of itself. It's it's, it's noble almost, but mm. then uh, you know. The, but it, uh, but it, and it's right yeah. right for comedy mm. in that yeah. you in that you have this um, the the defeat. Yeah. Yeah. And the reaction to the defeat is super. Yeah. But to go back to your thing about scripts, if it's very bad or really crude and mm. not funny, mm. then, yeah, don't bother. Yeah. You know, if, I, if, 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 if work's okay, yeah. then don't try it. Yeah. You can do things. I remember doing something where I never had confidence in the script. Right. The, the, the idea was fine. The conceit was fine. Um, but it was hard and it didn't make me laugh right. and it's very hard to do something where you, and it was an audience thing right. to do something where you have to make the audience laugh at what you think is funny or at mm. least make the audience think it's funny which yeah. was the case here I didn't find it that funny oh, okay. did yeah. you succeed? did you get laughs? I got laughs yeah Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. It, but you all but you know there's almost an inflection excuse me <clears throat> there's almost an inflection you can use, which implies there's a joke, mm. even when mm. there's no joke or yeah. not a very good joke. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But I never found it that funny. Yes. There's a way. It's sort of like yeah. you know, you can add salt to a, a to a stew that's not very good, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Or you can add, you can just pile icing on a cake that basically doesn't quite yeah. work. And the and the mistake is to think that a good if an audience has come to a recording, they're up for a laugh. Yeah. Mm. They kind of don't, they don't want, I mean, mind you, I, I once did a TV sitcom. It was an odd sitcom. It was done, I better not mention that. Because <laughs> um, uh, they all went on to interesting and different You're things. The voice of discretion. Yes. I, am, I am being discreet, but it was, it was, um, I should, no. But I the audience mention. were not interested or they, they were. Well, they, it, was more, it was worse than that. Uh, they weren't, we weren't getting a lot of laughs. I was playing a Scottish special kind of violence unit of the Scottish police. I, had a, I even had my hair cropped and had a big kind of stab vest on. It's huh. years and years ago, decades ago. Um, but the audience weren't finding it very funny, but they loved the warm-up guy, who was right. a new, newish guy. I had all this fab material. They loved him. 
to the extent that when you know they suddenly cut in to yeah. say, okay, we're ready to go. Many, many and the audio- recordings like that. Oh, sorry, got to stop. And the audience went, ah. Oh, oh, good. Oh, got and then we started the scene and we got nothing. <laughs> or they got nothing. Luckily, I got a couple of laughs with my Scottish war- I mean, trooper the, type. Well, police. we tried to sort of, one of the reasons we. Um, one of, the, one of the reasons in my, I wrote a book called uh, Writing That Sitcom, and the first chapter or two is me trying to talk people out of writing sitcom because it's just there are so many ways it can go wrong. It's so difficult. But you know, we, I don't think we've ever touched on that before. The warm-up person can can ruin it. I was involved in one sitcom which I, I mentioned, which is an audience show, and it was quite successful. But I remember there was a warm-up guy doing it. And I just thought, this guy is totally wrong for the show. In terms of tone. Yeah, totally yeah. wrong. And oh, he kept yeah. booking him again. And both me and another writer, we went to the producer and just said, we don't understand why you're booking this person because they just seem wrong. Uh, but it's true, isn't mm. it? If you, if you, it's like going, it's like playing, you know, audience, audience music before the play yeah. starts. Mm. Choose it right. Yeah, choose it mm. right. Because yeah. if you have something uh, mm. country and western, yeah, yeah. and then you're going to watch a Tom Stoppard, <laughs> it's not yeah. going to quite work. You want yeah. something, a Haydn yeah, string yeah. quartet. Yeah. yeah, and that's the and you that's know, the in order there. to yeah. get people to that that kind of alpha mm. brain activity. Yeah, and equally, you need you need something a bit parpy, mm. a bit seaside. Mm. If you're going to watch a big, broad, popular yeah, yeah. comedy, yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not making the distinction also in... I mean, I th- it's not a question of is it broad, is it, is it cerebral. Mm. There, are, there are those differences. Mm. But you have to be good at that particular genre. Yeah. Mm. It, you know, just being clever, clever... Doesn't make it is funny. as irritating as being yeah. crude and unfunny. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a tricky thing. Yeah, but yeah. there are so many. Herbert, you're quite right. What don't start, but write hour long dramas. You know, with with nice beats and yeah. and, a, and a disappeared teenage yeah. teenager in the middle of it. Yeah. It's always a girl. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, it is, isn't yeah. it? Um, and and have howling plot moments. I I love the bridge, but sometimes at the beginning of this series of the bridge, I say, what. Mm. But, what, that, but she's they all look terribly serious. And so you no think it's guard just escorting you. Yeah. her to the front gate, yeah. so this woman can come and stab her, and it looks like she's dead in the beginning of the next thing. She's got a little plaster on her neck. It's annoying, but that's easier to get away with than to get a comedy going. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's and it's hard. and if you want to see the perfect pilot, I think back is up there because okay, I've never yeah. seen such a clever use of flashbacks. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because it establishes everything about the two yeah. boys. Yeah. It's very, very it's neat. very concise, and it's and we're mm. operating on a this is a Channel Four half hour, mm. which is the other great constraint. It's like you know writing a haiku, isn't it? Yeah. You've only got this many syllables. Yeah. But just think uh, before we wrap up. I mean, just to think when you got, saw the script and you read your. The, the, your parts in the script. What what kind of uh, what was it about it that made you go, yeah, this is this is great. I suppose the fact that uh, a it was very funny and it didn't read like anything I'd read before. Okay, mm-hmm. it read fresh, and it surprised me, 
and it made me laugh and the the part of uncle jeff for me is a gift mm. and i got it yeah. and apparently that was remarked on because it was as i say it was my first ever self tape yeah. and bunged it off on we transfer yeah. and apparently they'd had people in because i was away that's why i self taped now it's becoming the norm which is i'll just finish on Shouldn't this point which nobody yeah, mentions yeah. but with self tapes i'm a, i'm an english graduate no, I didn't do an awful lot of work, but I know how to read a script. And I read a script in a particular kind of IA Richards influence way. In other words, I read it like a piece of literature. I think there are undercurrents, which have obviously come out in later bits of the script. This is not, a lot of people nowadays, literacy is not their big thing. They're not, they're, they're visual mm. rather than literate. Mm. And the point is, when you go for an interview, the number of times you go in, go, start off a certain way, which to you seems obvious. This is how this character is. This yeah. is how this scene is. And they go, oh, no, no, he's like that. And there's, there's been no indication in the No indication. Now. In fact, you've taken seriously. I remember saying to a writer once, but I took your, your what do you call it? You know, with a character description, you yeah, know, yeah. the stuff in between. Stage direction. Stage direction. Yeah. I took that seriously. He said, oh, you ignore that. <laughs> now if you're doing a self-tape yeah. you've taken a position yeah, yeah. yeah. and you can't and you correct, can't it. correct yeah. it and they That's, can't see yeah. they think oh no wrong yeah. yeah he's got it he's misunderstood this part so now we read the script yeah. be careful what you put in your yeah. script writers as, as James always says uh, confusion is the enemy of comedy yeah. so uh, for writers yeah. to take away from this you know if you want, if you want a small kid, make sure it's a small make sure kid. It's a small kid. Say small. But kid. then you've got to be an exec producer on your thing because stuff happens. Mm. Because casting takes a view, casting is maybe or uh, uh, you know the department yeah. is thinking this is a good boy. Mm. He's a bit old for this part, yeah. but we like him. We want to get him in yeah. this job. And but also, it's going to require this number of hours. Therefore, they can't be under ten. At which exactly. point, as a writer, you go, I need to know that because I could change the joke. There, there might have been a way of, of, of frigging it so that you could have done that. But on the day, it's like, we've got this guy, this is the joke, this is the thing. It's like, oh, okay, these, these are not the constituent parts we require. Imagine a 1930s film of, uh, of a grain store and a man with gaiters, you know, to stop the rats from mm. running up his, uh, up his trouser legs, um, manhandling a huge sack of meal mm. and that was me trying to get a laugh well that's a very vivid image on which image. to end our, yes. our, our episode um great thank you so much well, for speaking to pleasure. us i feel that we could we could do this for several hours and just chop it into half hour chunks yes. right eventually yeah. i would need to crawl into the corner and sleep yes no yeah. sure over anecdoted yeah that's great but thank you so thank much you very pleasure much, absolute pleasure and thank you for listening um and thank you and goodbye bye